Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the modalidade on BTV, you can now catch the recaps and also modalidade talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between a Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Law Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. Episode number 401 is what we're up to with me, as always. Dave D. Oliveira, what's happening, Dave? Nothing much, Alfredo. After the celebrations of uh, the 400th episode, good to be back and invited for 401. And, uh, you know, uh, you said what was better than 400, you said 401. So uh, let's bring 401 to the audience. There you go. Um, now with us tonight and uh, is Cristiano. Cristiano. Cristiano can't be here tonight, uh, but he's here in a uh, spirit and he sends his support. So, Dave, you and I, we're going to have to do uh, 401. This is how we go into the in the 400s. Uh, just you and I, which is just as good. I've been I've been asking for a couple of sick days and holidays here, and I guess I gotta get in touch with Cristiano's uh, union rep because he can get some uh, podcast sick days here. But I, I gotta struggle to find mine here. But all is good and well here at the Benfica podcast. But Dave, after this week, do you really want to take a day off? You want to take a day off on the on the miserable games and, and stuff that you know we we have a hard time talking about. But uh, after uh, three wins in a row. Uh, clean sheets. I mean, there's um, there's some excitement in the air. Exactly. I guess exactly. There's no need to take a podcast uh, sick day when we're uh, got a winning streak going on, which we haven't been able to say for a couple of months now. So uh, yeah, yeah not, that's right. We got to bank those those sick days and use them uh, when we uh, when we need them. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's get this started tonight on tonight's podcast. We'll, we will look back at uh, the Sturil game. And the Bullness game, both of those uh, wins, as we mentioned, two nothing and three nothing, and we'll look ahead to Boa Vista, uh, the the one game where uh, last round everything started unraveling, uh, the big surprise three nil defeat against Boa Vista. Let's see how uh, we fare this weekend against Boa Vista. But before we get that, 
Let's get into the Portuguese Cup second leg of the semifinals against Sturil. Game took place uh, at Estadio Luz. I'll give you the lineup. Vlaco Dimos was in goal. Gilberto Verissimo, Otamendi and Tavares across the back. Gabriel and Pizzi in the middle. Chiquinho on one side of the midfield, Servi on the other. Pedrinho was uh, behind Gonçalo Ramos. Gonçalo Ramos with the, um, with the, uh, with the start, with the unusual start, we should say. Um, lots of, lots of, uh, squad management here, Dave. And, and I think that, Something that we had brought up last uh, week was whether or not Vlacodimos was going to get to start. And I remember saying, telling, telling Christian, Christian thought, thought that Elton was going to go all the way. But said, well, well, usually cup games, um, the second guy, the number two always gets cup games. He said, Oh yeah, but Elton played in the first leg. But at that time, JJ had yet to make the switch. What did you think of this lineup? Uh, that's the one thing right away where I, I saw the change was Vlaco and net, but I mean, it could it could have uh, started a controversy a goalkeeping controversy if he had a, a good game but you also need to remind yourself it is just the cup tie the cup fixture like we uh, spoke about and uh good to see that he did uh give uh, Vlaco Dimos uh, some minutes rest up uh Helton who wasn't even on the bench was in the stair, uh, stands and Svilar was on the bench but uh, from this lineup here, you're looking at it. It's pretty much a lot of, like you said, uh, squad rotation. A lot of guys getting rests and not even called to uh, to the bench here. Uh, no disrespect to uh, Estrel, but uh, they are a second division club. We did we're coming into this game with a three uh, one advantage. So perfect midweek fixture to get some guys some rests, which uh, has been needed for this squad, especially how we've discussed in the past that. They were averaging about a game every three or four days. So good to get uh, some players uh, some rest and get the guys that are usually on our bench some uh, some run so that they can get into some sort of rhythm. Yeah, no, yeah, Gonzalo Ramos as well, that a lot of people have been clamoring for as well. Yeah, and, and, and as you mentioned, uh, Stril, uh a second division team, but uh, they're a team that, you know, from their quality, they look like, they could be in the first league and as they were last season, if I remember correctly. Uh, but this is a talented Stril team. They also, uh, rested a couple players, a couple crucial players on their side because, um, three one aggregate playing at Saluge. Their, their championship is really what they're faced with. Uh, what right now, uh, which is a battle for, for promotion in the second league. So, uh, I think that they did the right thing. Um, but the biggest thing, and, and as I, and as I look at this, and when I look at, um, Vlacodima's insertion, I think that that was, that was normal. Uh, Gilberto has been a guy on and off with the rotation, but it seems that Dio Gonçalves uh, has now kind of cemented his, his starting job, but you need to keep Gilberto in there rotating. Tavares, the same thing. You need to give Grimaldo a rest. Um, those guys have played a lot of minutes. Uh, Gabriel, uh, the way we've seen the team so far, looks like Weigel has, has also cemented that spot. And then in the middle of defense, you want to give those guys reps. Um, I think Jardel, is 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 done at Benfica. His, his time is done. I think his contract is done up uh, up this season. I don't think uh, Benfica is going to renew with Jardel. But Verissimo again, give him minutes, get him acclimated to his teammates. Uh, Vertonghen, 
I think Vertonghen did pick up a, a, a knock. So more time for Verissim to get acclimated to Portuguese football, to get acclimated to Otamendi, to get acclimated to his other teammates. Um, Pizzi and there, Chiquinho. I think that Chiquinho is a guy that, uh, Chiquinho is, is uh, the way I look at, Ch- at Chiquinho, Dave, is he's kind of like an Almeida. He's not exceptional at anything in particular, but he's also not bad. So he's, he's kind of like that, that utility guy that you could, you could slot him in the midfield in a couple positions and he could do, he could do well. He's not going to be a guy that's, that's going to dominate the midfield or is going to dominate in his position, but he's the guy that brings you consistency. He's the guy that, that's going to put a, a good work rate. So I, I, uh, I get it. The other side, Servi, Servi at one point, he was a starter for this team, but he's another guy that brings the, the effort. Uh, Pedrinho has shown some flashes. Um, I think that when, it, anytime I look at Pedrinho, it kind of reminds me of Di Maria and how Di Maria came to this team. There was a, a lot of raw talent with Di Maria, but he didn't have it all together. And I think that Pedrinho is the same thing. He's shown flashes. He's got the touch. He's got the jinga, but I don't think he has it all there. And I don't, the biggest thing perhaps is, is confidence. And then Ramsh, uh, you know, with Darwin being, uh, being hurt and, and Seferovic, Having a lot of minutes, it made sense. But uh, they, the biggest thing here, as I read this, is like JJ also wants to keep these guys engaged and these guys motivated. And I think that when you have this stretch of a season, and granted you're no longer playing midweek, you have to have guys that could come in and help the team uh, and not have too much of a disconnect be- with game rhythm. Of course, uh, but having that three-one advantage coming into this match, if it's a if it's a one-legged uh, affair, then you're you're probably fielding a lot of your your stronger uh, your stronger starting eleven and don't have that luxury to uh, to rest some of these guys. But with the three-one uh, advantage away uh, from the Estadio de Luz, coming home with the three-one advantage, I think it gives JJ that opportunity to to rest some of these guys and get um, get some of these guys more acclimated with each other. Like you've you've said, I think the the key here is coming into this match with the three-one uh, advantage because if it's just a one-legged affair, I think, and if Benfica is treating this competition seriously, I think we have to field our strongest uh, 11 and uh, can't uh, afford to go in switching uh, and putting in our backups uh, across all 11 positions here. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and I, I, I liked Benfica's posture in this game where they know they're playing against a team that likes to build out of the back. So Benfica's approach to the game was like, well, let's raise our lines. Let's press this team high and let's, let's force this team to play out of the back. Let's force them to, to make mistakes. Uh, and, and our goal in the, in the 43rd minute by Ramush came off of one of those mistakes. One of their center backs was trying to, uh, Passed the ball and he, and he mistakenly, he, he mistakenly passed, uh, to, to a guy, to Benfica guy with Chiquinho and Chiquinho was able to find Ramush, which Ramush probably on that goal, he probably made that much harder than he was supposed to. He, he hit that ball between the goalkeeper and the defender when he basically had the, the whole goal to himself or the whole goal wide open and he kind of, he got really lucky that that wasn't blocked by by a body or by a shoulder or by a head, whatever. Uh, but Benfica went into the locker room, 
now even more assured that this was uh, this was resolved. Um, second half, same thing. Benfica high, pressing high, forcing uh, Sturil to make those uh, those mistakes. Then we had uh, a few substitutions: uh, Seferovic, Everton, Sarabt, uh, Waldschmidt all came into the game, uh, and Waldschmidt would eventually seal the deal uh, at the end of the game, getting Benfica. Uh, the two nothing lead and really closing it out. Um, the dominating half was the second half, obviously for Benfica. Uh, and I thought that, that Benfica did really well, but Dave, this goes back. You often hear you're, you're much younger than, than Cristiano and I, but you often hear Cristiano and I talk about the Benfica of old when Benfica used to approach these Tasa games against smaller teams. There was just, they would just be on top of them. And I think that, that this, a lot of this poor posture reminded me of that Benfica. They, we know we're a, a superior team to Sturil. Let's take it to them. Let's, let's really put out that, that, that logic, um, that we're a superior team. We're, we're a first division team. They're a second division team. Let's really impose our skill and our play in Sturilin. And I think that the result, perhaps you could have gotten more goals, but the result seems fair at the end of the game. Yeah, for sure. And this is something that I noticed just between the, the, the first leg and the second leg. That first leg in the first half, if we're not, if, uh, if we're not forgetting that, Estrilla actually scored the, the first goal there. And um, our confidence was already uh, struck at, uh, at that point point of the the season a couple of weeks ago where we're not getting the results in the uh, the league we're not getting the results in uh, Europa League uh, but you can see what a couple of difference uh, a couple of weeks make uh, and uh, getting some positive results underneath our belt where we're slowly building confidence each game that that passes right and uh, how how dead and out of the waters we were in February I think it's gonna take these little these little baby steps against these these smaller division uh, clubs to uh, to build off of uh, each game, go and build towards uh, these big games against Braga and Porto that we have later on uh, in the season, right? So, like I said at the, at the end of last week's podcast, take this as a good opportunity to build some confidence and get a positive result, and the team sure enough did that. Yeah, so uh, uh, another a dominating uh, two-legged affair by Benfica. I don't think that Stril was ever in it, but, uh, I think that I, I, we have to look at these two games and really appreciate what Stril, uh, came to play in terms of how they approached the, the game with Benfica, uh, eye to eye, uh, playing out of the back, trying to pass the ball, tr- staying true to their style. Uh, and I think you have to commend them for that. Um, numbers on this game and, and what do we got in terms of uh, making a final? Yeah, for sure. So Benfica reaches the uh, finals of the uh, Portuguese Cup for the uh, second consecutive year. That's the first time that's happened for Benfica since 2013-2014 uh, uh, season. Uh, we'll be playing Braga uh, in Coimbra at the end of uh, May for the uh, the final there. And that's the first time that we'll be playing uh, Braga in the TASA final. And uh, in uh, so far this season, in six TASA matches, Benfica scored 18 goals and only conceded uh, one, and that was in the first leg uh, against the Estrel. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Coimbra will be the venue for the final. They will not be playing at uh, Estadio Jamor, of course, 
Jamor has been played on a lot by Bolnitz, has not been properly taken care of. And I don't know if it has to do with, with properly taken care of or uh, the quality of the pitch, because uh, from what the commentators were saying, the the pitch at Jamor, the grass is, is very soft. The ground underneath is very soft uh, and it tends to uh, pick up a lot more, more damage with wear and, and tear. Uh, so for as much as I hate to see tradition broken and it's not, obviously it's not the first year that this tradition is broken. Um, I always love that uh, the atmosphere at the Jamor and the ambient at Jamor, the picturesque setting um, over there. You know, it's something that you always look back as the season capper and capper uh, as as a game that you look forward to. But uh, you know, Coimbra is Coimbra, uh, so it's uh, it's not the first time that we've we've played in in Coimbra, so it will be interesting uh, playing at Braga. Clearly, Braga, one of the top teams in Portugal this year, um, we're able to get past Porto to reach this final. Um, so it's, it's good. It's good. And, and I look forward to it. And, uh, as you mentioned twice now that Pifika has reached the, the yeah, finals back to back seasons, first time since, uh, 2013, 2014 that they've, uh, made back to back, uh, finals yeah. in consecutive years. But, uh, I think it's easier that they made the decision to move it from Jamor again, considering that chances are there aren't going to be fans again this year in the uh, in the stands. So I know last year they moved it away from Jamur as well, right? So the real uh, test is going to be once uh, everybody's allowed back in the stands, if they're going to go back to uh, Jamur or if they're, uh, if that's a tradition that's uh, done and over with now. Yeah, I think that uh, once you have opened the door uh, now to the final de Tassa being played elsewhere other than Jamur, now every year, uh, the league and the FPF will have to, uh, make that decision, uh, on the venue. Uh, because before it was a no brain and Jamor, it's Jamor or, or it's Jamor. And it was always Jamor. Uh, but now you kind of, since you opened this precedent, now it's like, well, maybe the, the league does, does some kind of showcase. Uh, and every year they nominate a place where they will play the final. Uh, regardless of what teams are going to be in the final and they'll choose a, a venue. Maybe that's how it works. Kind of like the, the Super Bowl in the NFL where, uh, the NFL picks a venue, uh, in a couple of years in advance. Uh, maybe that's what the league will, uh, will go back to, but it, it all depends what's going to happen with Jamor and, and there's been some, some long talk in terms of, um, is the stadium, does the stadium have enough security? Um, conditions it, it, because it's, it's kind of a, an older stadium. Uh, and, uh, it really hasn't kept up with, with the, with the standards. Obviously you could still have a, an international game, but it doesn't have the, the modern setting, um, of many of the, the newer stadiums, uh, in terms of security and teams of, in terms of accessibility. So we'll, we'll just have to see, but I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, there's a little bit of nostalgia about the Jamor and about that, that final game of the season, regardless of what team is playing, that setting, uh, and those, and that Sunday, usually sunbathed, um, Sunday afternoons where these 
teams play the final of the cup and it's always one of those games that everyone looks forward to especially if Benfica is in there but uh we shall see but uh, obviously the precedent is there now so we'll we'll see what's going to happen um going forward um talking about Jamor we traveled to Jamor to play be sad um on Monday um in a, in a game that we thought it was going to be difficult uh, be sad hadn't lost in I think uh, four or five games coming into this game. Uh, and uh, Benfica was looking for their first uh, away win uh, in this calendar year. Um, <laughs> so the lineup was as follows. Helton was in goal. Gonçalves, Verissimo, Otamendi, and Grimaldo. Uh, Weigel and Pizzi. Rafa on one side, Everton on the other. Walshmit behind Seferovic. Uh, and right now, as, as you look at this team, Dave, is this the strongest team that uh, that JJ could field? Uh, I mean, without Darwin being injured, and I, I say that half jokingly because of the form that he's been, he was uh, at before his uh, so-called uh, injury. I mean, you can make the case for for Darwin to to be up top there, but other than that, I uh, and I mean, Vertonghen is out uh, as well. But be uh, between those two players there, I'm pretty. Uh, I feel confident this is our strongest uh, eleven uh, going forward for the rest of the uh, the season. Here, uh, it's going to be interesting once uh, Darwin and Vertonghen are uh, healthy. Whether how um, how JJ sets this team if we go back to the three five three lineup. Uh, and who's on the outs from there? But with Vertonghen and uh, Vertonghen and Darwin out, I would say that this is our strongest uh, eleven. Yeah. No. I, I look. I I look at this, especially the the Darwin situation. Um, I look at it in two ways. N number one, I'm a firm believer that both Darwin and uh, Seferovic can't play together. They're not compatible. Uh, in a way that they play, they occupy the same spaces. They're kind of like the same style of play. Number two, regardless of whether Darwin is, is healthy or not, who's the guy that has the most goals? Seferovic, right? Regardless of how many he has to miss before he could score one. And you go with your, with, with your hot foot, right? And your hot foot right now is Seferovic, regardless of whether Darwin is hurt or not. The guy that's getting you goals is the guy that should be getting the starts. Um, and I think that Walshmit compliments, uh, Seferovic. Walshmit also compliments, uh, Darwin well because he's a mobile guy. He's a guy that could drop in between lines uh, and create those passing lanes for the midfield to, to get through. Uh, so right now, this, this is logical for me. Even if Darwin is healthy, I think that you have to go with the guy with the hot foot. Your boy, Seferovic. My boy, but I think a couple of weeks ago we discussed that uh, our $20 million man, he, we can't afford to have him. Right now, if he's injured, he's injured, right? And we we got to get him uh, recuperated so uh, he's healthy. But when he's back and healthy, I don't think we can afford to have uh, Darwin on the bench, especially for a club. He's uh, the record transfer signing and one or two weeks, okay. But I don't think going forward... Doesn't make much sense for the uh, the club to have him on the bench. And as much as I uh, love Seferovic, uh, I think it doesn't make sense for the club to leave Darwin on the bench, even if uh, if, if we'll see how this goes in a couple of weeks. If Seferovic is still on uh, on fire here, scoring two goals a game, 
but uh, I don't think the club going forward can uh, afford to have Darwin sit on uh, on the bench for too much longer. No, look, I get that, and Cristiano will also argue that you know you have a guy that costs you over twenty million, you have him sitting on the bench, but you you're really going into a time in a season where you need results and you need to for people to put the back the ball on the back of the net and Darwin's not doing that. So guess what? I need to go with the guys that are going to give me more guarantees. And I'm not saying that that uh, Seferovic is much better uh, than Darwin, but the fact of the matter is that Seferovic scores. Darwin doesn't. Um, so at this point and at this junction in the season, you got to go with the guys that will give you guarantees. And I think that at this point, Seferovic gives more guarantees to JJ, um, than Darwin. Um, before we get into the game, let, let me, <laughs> I'll ask this because this is something that was, that I found uh, interesting and, and funny at the same time. There was, uh, in a pre-game conference, JJ said that, uh, that Walt Schmidt has a really hard time or <laughs> he can't communicate with, with Darwin when he's on the, uh, now Darwin with Walt Schmidt on when he's on the field, he doesn't understand them. But then when he comes off, he's able to explain things to him. Um, and there's been some, 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 some funny opinions about it. I mean, one of them being shouldn't a coach uh, at this point that is coach teams from the top, um, have some kind of other languages and I'm not saying being completely fluent but shouldn't be shouldn't he be able to say something more than <laughs> well I mean some some Portuguese people can't even understand JJ right so I can only imagine how uh, how Walshmit uh, feels but I'm not is it uh was it that I heard that Rafa has to be the the translator between the both of them, where no. there's some player that uh, acts as a translator between the the both of them. I'm surprised it's not uh, Weigel, uh, the his other German uh, compatriot. But um, I I don't think it. I think it's there isn't a much uh, to do uh, with it. I mean, at the end of the day, there should the club if JJ and uh, Walshmit aren't able to communicate with some uh, with each other, I would hope that the club has some sort of uh international translator there to uh to use for situations like this but uh, i think it's a little bit uh too much to do with uh nothing here yeah there was a clip of i don't know if it was before the first half or the second half in which jj is explaining things to walshmit and rafa was around and rafa was the one that was translating to walshmit um but Maybe now it explains why JJ loves Brazilian players so much because he can communicate with them. <laughs> the language of love. <laughs> the language of love. That's right. Turning our attention to, uh, to the game now. And, and I, I gotta be honest. This, this first half, man, really, really, really poor first half by Benfica against Bissad. Um, just a, a mix of sloppy play, slow movement off the ball. Uh, Really prevented Benfica from being better, uh, in the first half and, and be sad with some space. They, they, at times they threatened. They had a couple, the couple chances where they threatened. I remember, um, what was his, I forget what his name is, uh, what is, uh, Farella had uh, an open shot on, uh, Elton Late and he hit it right at him. Um, but there was a couple chances in what, uh, that be sad really threatened in this first half and, uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, and 
we've often said here that Befica is so-so, goes into the half, comes out sleeping uh, in the second half. But this was complete, the complete opposite. It seemed that the players got direct instructions or they got very clear instructions from JJ and they came out in the second half, complete different team, Dave. Yeah, we've seen that a couple of weeks now where Benfica goes into the halftime nil-nil or, or tied at halftime. And like you've said, in years past, it would have been the first half where we have our solid performance and second half team puts it into cruise control and, and falls asleep. But last couple of weeks, you got to give uh, JJ credit or you would hope that it's JJ knocking some sense into the uh, the club here. But uh, you got to give him credit when credit to do. And there's definitely been some changes made at, uh, at halftime. And um, sure enough, within 10 minutes of coming in uh, to the second half, uh, we get on the board with uh, Seferovic's uh, goal there. But um, yeah, that first half is a classic uh, Petit showing, by the way. Uh, Petit, the manager of, of BSAT, very defensively organized, not uh, not giving too, Benfica too much uh, opportunities to create. But Benfica on the same end, like you said, we're, we didn't to take advantage of our, our opportunities as well. And, and we're very poor in the, uh, the attacking third there. But um, Petit is always uh, known for his uh, defensive uh, strategies uh, and setting up his team that way. Yeah. Um, in the second half, Benfica came out and, and they were more vertical. Uh, Seferovic uh, exploring the spaces behind the defense. Of course, Bolnitz plays, Bolnitz, Bissad plays with, with the high line. And I think that uh, the team had clear instructions. We saw Diogo Gonçalves, uh, trying to get the through ball, uh, and he got Seferovic, um, in front of the goal, he couldn't put it away. Uh, then we had Grimaldo against serving Seferovic, and that, he put that one away, as as you mentioned. And we kind of had a, a repeat of that uh, first chance that Seferovic had in front of goal. The repeat, Seferovic actually put it away, a pass from Diogo Gonçalves um, between the lines. Seferovic was able to get behind the defense and put it away with his left foot. Uh, and in two goals in basically three minutes, that got, that really Put the game away. Bisat wasn't really uh, doing much. Uh, but what about your boy, Seferovic? 11 goals in the league. Uh, finally overcoming Pizzi. They had been tied for quite some time. 15 goals altogether. Um, there's a lot of haters out there. And I- I'm hot and cold with Seferovic. Uh, sometimes he's exasperating in terms of... Uh, the, what he misses and frustrating and the chances that he misses. But then he has these goals, first touch, right foot, first goal, right off of that Grimaldo. And then the second goal, a nice put away with the left foot away from the keeper into the far post. I, I don't know. that that Those are the type of flashes that I would hope that Seferovic could show with more consistency. Yeah, that's. I think that's always been his uh his downfall is that he's inconsistent when he does get these chances. And like uh, we've seen here, the chances we don't expect him to put away, he's, he's put away, he's putting them uh, away right now. He's got those two goals uh, in this game, for example. And then those, those games where he's right in front of the net and he just needs to tap it in, or he just has a sitter and he'll just fire it right at the keeper or even worse, just miss the net all completely. But Hey, we got to enjoy it while it, it lasts with uh, Seferovic because, like you said, he can be hot one game and uh, cold the next. So let's just enjoy it while we uh, can. Hopefully this can continue on for the rest of the uh, the season here. And 
it'll be uh, he'll be going into the uh, Euros in in uh, high form for uh, Switzerland. But let's just enjoy it. Like you said, he's now Benfica's top uh, goal scorer with 15, second in the league, only behind uh, Pedro Gonzalez of uh, Sporting. So let's just enjoy these uh, these high times that uh, Benfica striker is actually putting away their uh, their chances. Yeah, also getting on the board, uh, Lucas Verissim, uh, for Benfica's third goal in the 65th minute. Uh, and, uh, and there was some, and I didn't know this, but there was, there's, there was a comparison. I guess the, the comparison is, is real that Luizão wearing a number four on his back, same number as Verissim scored his debut goal against Bolness at that time, which is now, I guess, be sad. Uh, but there were some people drawing those comparisons. And, and when you look at those comparisons, you can't help but think, man, well, the guy has shown some, some, some good, some good play, uh, strong, fast, dominant in the air. Um, as n- we haven't really seen that adaptation period that Brazilian players usually, usually need as they get to Portugal. And he's kind of hit the ground running. He's had a couple mistakes here and there. Uh, but this goal gives him a lot of confidence. Uh, and I can't help to think that a guy that scored his debut against the same team that Luizão scored against, I don't know, 55 years ago. Uh, I would hope that, uh, maybe he has, uh, has the same type of career at Benfica. Dave, what are your thoughts on Verissimo so far? Yeah, I can't uh, can't hate on the guy. He's been uh, solid from what I've seen so far. I know people want to point and make comparisons already to Luis but I don't think that's fair to him uh, yet. Yes, they do share the same number coming from Brazil. Now they have this little timbit of uh, scoring against the same team, their first goals with Benfica, but... I wouldn't want to put that uh, that pressure on him to try to live up to to Louis Zone. Just take it game by game and and get some comfort and uh, um, comfort in getting used to the uh, the Portuguese league. But so far, he's done uh, he's done what's been asked of him and uh, hasn't made too many uh, major mistakes. Does Vertonghen sit the bench once he's healthy? Uh, do we know how much Vertonghen gets paid? Because I feel like that again doesn't make sense. Uh, financially, but I mean, if we just spent uh, this large sum of cash on Verissimo as well, he's going to have to be playing. So that's a decision that's uh, that needs to be made by somebody higher than my pay grade. But maybe we go back to that three-five-three so that we can have Otamendi, uh, Verissimo, and Vertonghen play and justify the cash that uh, we've spent uh, on all three of those players. Yeah, I kind of think that he's uh, he came to us on a free. So I got to think that he's making some coin. Uh, he's probably one of the best uh, paid players. I, I mean, I would say at least definitely top five best played, best paid players, uh, at Benfica. Um, Vertongan is right. Um, but then when I, when I look back and, and from the Luis Fleavier interview in which he was talking about how, um, most of the players were approved and got the seal of approval by JJ. He did mention that Vertonghen wasn't really the player that JJ had in mind, um, but he took him anyway. So I wonder at this point if Vertonghen is able to change JJ's mind in terms of this is the guy that I need, this is the guy that fits my system, or if he now goes, okay, well, 
Vertonga didn't really fit my system. Here's the guy that fits my system. You're not going to sit Otamendi because Otamendi has just been absolutely lights out the way he's been playing for Benfica. I'm curious to see who keeps that, uh, that starting spot. I don't know if they'll go to a three defender setup. They might to accommodate Vertonghen. Um, but I think that if you go with the center back pairing, I think that Vertonga is the odd man out at this point. Yeah, if they're if they're keeping the the four four two, he looks like the odd man out. But these things pl- uh, resolve themselves. Right now, Vertonghen's injured and on the sidelines. Who's to say somebody else doesn't go down with an injury when it comes time to uh, Vertonghen coming back? These things usually sort themselves out. So. Not going to worry about it uh, right now, but uh, Verissimo has been playing well, and he's uh, living up to the uh, the big transfer that uh, that we paid for him. Yeah, so a, a, a completely dominating second half by, uh, by Benfica that really picked uh, Besad um, apart. Uh, then we saw confidence, we saw pace, uh, we saw players with smiles on their faces. Um, so kind of almost see a turnaround here. And, and Dave, you and I were, were talking about this before I hit the record button. How, when you look back and, and, and to JJ's interview and how we, he, he gave context to this whole season in terms of, um, COVID and how it affected the team. Uh, and, and obviously forgetting that part before we got to COVID, right? Where we lost to Paok, where we lost to Bovista, where we're playing shitty football. But now when you look at this and, and you see where the team is finally, the spot that the team is finally getting to, it does make sense. It does make sense that now he's had more time to, to, to work the team out, train the team. You're not playing every three days and it's kind of making a lot of sense. So, Dave, now our expectations should be from now until the end of the season, nothing but wins. Nothing but wins. I'm, that's what I'm expecting here. There's no no excuses, especially if we start building up uh, our confidence. Like I uh, said, we've got a couple of games where smaller uh, clubs now with the uh, more important game coming uh, in a couple of weeks against Braga. That'll be our, our first real test. And if we're able to get the three points from from Braga, and that'll be a huge momentum and confidence booster to this squad. We can really go on a roll and uh, and pick up the three points from here on to the the rest of the season. Not not that I'm saying we're going to catch up to first place, but really we the the battle for second and even third place is definitely uh, on, and we're I wouldn't count us out uh, for those positions yet. Yeah, Dave, numbers on this game so we could uh, move on to Bovista. Yeah, for sure. Um, with uh, Verismo's goal also um, opened his uh, account, uh, his goal account with Benfica from that corner kick, and that's Benfica's first goal from uh, scored from a corner kick since Ruben Dias uh, scored back in uh, September, his last game. So I know uh, we haven't talked too much about uh, set pieces and corners uh, this season. I know that was a topic from last season, but I uh, got a goal from a corner kick, uh, Verismo and. Uh, Benfica's first win away from uh, home in the league uh, since December, uh, and that came against Gil Vicente. So we went four draws and one loss in that uh, in that span, and uh, three consecutive victories across all competitions. And uh, during that uh, span, we haven't conceded a single goal as well. Yeah. Look, there's there's building blocks 
there. Um, there's definitely not not by the first half, but certainly the second half. There was a, a lot of improvement from the team, and there was a lot of things that I saw from this team that I really enjoyed, and I hope that they could build on. Certainly, consistency is going to be one of them, and then just I think finding that happiness to play again, finding that confidence um, in your skill. Um, because if you're at Benfica, you obviously have to uh, have some type of skill. Um, at least the majority of the players, there's some guys that just don't have the skill and they're there, but that's a, n- a different story. But I would hope that, uh, this is a nice, uh, stepping stone on, on what's to come. Uh, we got Boavista next, uh, which is the team that, uh, we lost three nothing to in the first round and everything kind of fell apart. Uh, then we have, uh, Braga. Maritim, Pas Freire, really, really tough games um, up ahead. And uh, we're, we're behind Braga with four points now. We could get those three points back uh, and hope that uh, that Braga drops some points here and there. But uh, I think that the way the way sporting is right now, I don't think any, they're dropping any points or they're losing any games. Uh, I think they just got the Strelinha that uh, we always talk about the Stradinha de Campeão and I think that Sporting has it. Uh Braga we'll see. They've been consistent. They've been flying under the radar. Uh and that kind of flying under the radar has also helped them uh get that uh that consistent play in which they have and I think that right now they're probably a team that's that's hard to to beat. So they have been stringing some results uh together not playing in Europe anymore. Um, helps them. I think at this point, Porto, with their win today, they earned themselves a spot in the quarterfinal, quarterfinals of the Champions League. That means that they will have to play another couple of games midweek. And who knows what's going that's going to, um, take out of them. So I think that, I think that third place is definitely accessible. Second place is going to take, uh, a run, uh, from Befica. Uh, and I think that if the team plays the same way they played in the second half against Pisad, I don't see why not. Game by game, game by game, and just build on the confidence. Like you said, that's all we can do. As like I said, we were at the lowest of the lows there in February, and everybody was pointing fingers at this guy, this guy, and you know what? We've come through it now. We've got some some wins under our uh, under our backs here, and just just keep building this confidence, right? You can't you can't look back and just take a game by game and get the three points and hope that uh, the other two uh, in front of you slip up. Yeah, that's right. Next uh, game, as you've already heard us, uh, Befica will play Boa Vista at Stade Luz on the 14th. The 14th is Sunday. Um, and uh, Dave, what's uh, Boa Vista up to? Not much, with the exception of win against Befica. Not much, but they've they've turned their season around because that was the joke for the longest time was I think we were still in December and January and we were still talking that that was their only victory of the uh, season. But they're currently in 14th place with 21 points from four wins, nine draws, nine defeats. Uh, Their last five, they've won two, drawn one against Porto and they have two defeats. So their their last five, they got two two wins there. So they've uh, turned their season around and... Um, last time Benfica failed to beat uh, Bovista at the Estadio de Luz was uh, January 
2017 in that uh, three-all draw. If I'm not mistaken, we were down three nothing at halftime, and then ended up coming back to uh, to get uh, at least a point out of that that match to uh, to draw three three. And uh, last time Boavista beat Benfica at the at the Luge was uh, March 1999. So, wow. uh, hopefully, we got uh, those stats behind us, and we can get uh, another three points uh, as we uh, lead up to Braga. Yeah, it'll be an interesting game. And again, as I mentioned, let's let's hope that we can build up on this uh, second half of the B side and and bring consistent ninety minutes, not just forty five minutes here and there. I'm uh, looking forward to this game, uh, and I think that uh, Benfica players can't have a short memory. This was the game when everything started to uh, unravel, uh, and I don't know what was behind it, but but certain this is this is the one that really stung. Um, and really brought JJ back to uh, to earth uh, at that point. So uh, I'm interested uh, to see what Befica will do against this Boa Vista and what kind of motivation they will bring to this Boa Vista game. Um, and certainly at this point, Befica has to think that at this they don't have any more margin for error for the remaining in the championship. Uh, and if they want to get that uh, direct access to the Champions League, they got to keep tagging on those three points. For sure. Hey, they're, they're uh, led by Josuald uh, Ferreira. They uh, took over yeah. midseason there, too. Yeah, he's, the, he's done a good job. He had a, a, a rocky start of the season, uh, but he's kind of put it together. And as you mentioned, in the past uh, few games, they got a couple wins under their belt that they added on to that Benfica win. So, uh, And they're kind of in a position right now that they're probably not looking back uh, too much in terms of, uh, of the relegation. Uh, as you said, they're in 14th place, 14th place, 21 points. Gilles Vicente, which is the first team, um, right out of that, uh, relegation zone has 19. Famalicão also has 19. Famalicão is in 17th. And then Maritim is in 18th place, uh, with 18 points. So still not out of the woods. Uh, with 21 points, I think that the, the magic number is, is 30 points, uh, for any team that, uh, that wishes to, to stay in the first league. Um, but, uh, you know, they're a team that has had their ups and downs, uh, not from the lack of talent, but certainly haven't been able to put it all together. But it looks like Josualdo has, um, as these guys, uh, on the right track. Let's see what, uh, they do at Stade Luge this Sunday. Dave, what else we got, man? Nothing much. I'm uh, I'm I'm thinking that it's going to be a very dominating performance by Benfica, and they uh, exercised whatever demons they had that first in that first round uh, against Bovista, and they put a, a solid performance. And I think they uh, flipped the scoreline, and it's at least going to be three nothing, if not more, against Bovista here. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, yeah, let's hope for another win because uh, it was getting kind of depressing to come in on these podcasts and talking about poor results and not wins. We had to make our own universe where Benfica was 15 points uh, ahead and sing about songs from 1990 or was it 1999 or 2001? And yeah, God, we went a little bit uh, a little bit funky there. Yeah, we went a little bit off the deep end on that one, but uh it was it was fun. Before we go, I wanted to uh give congratulations to the three Portuguese athletes that won 
uh, gold medals in the European Championship, track and field championships. Aureol Dongmo, Pedro Pichardo, and Patricia Mamona were the three uh, athletes representing Portugal in uh, Poland uh, and brought back uh, gold. Uh, so congratulations uh, to them, certainly. Um, and Dave, that's all we got for this week, man. Any, um, it, was, it was a short one. Cristiano's not here. Um, Cristiano's not here, but I'd like to uh, dedicate the Cristiano Chicken Fingers award to all three of those uh, athletes. Their uh, chicken fingers will be in the mail. So uh, Cristiano's not here, but I'm going to give out his award and uh, give the Chicken Finger award to those three uh, fine Portuguese athletes that uh, brought home the gold. Yeah. I don't know if you're authorized to give the award in his name, Dave. He gets the bill. I just offer the uh, the uh, the bill. All right. I offer the prize. He gets the bill. So... He'll get the receipt later on. Fair enough. At 10 CO10, at 87DO87, at Bifika Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter uh, and anywhere else. Um, don't forget to uh, to check us out. Rate us on iTunes and stuff. It helps. Um, it's a suggestion, algorithm, and all of that. Thanks, everyone. Next week, we'll be back. We'll look back at the Bovista game. We'll look ahead to... Uh, what do we play next? Braga. <laughs> After Boa Vista. No, that's right. We'll look ahead to Braga. Thanks a lot, everyone. Take care. Bye.